Hello, dear friends. I hope you recognize that theme song. If you do, you know what time it is. Not by your watch or clock. You know it's time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. Once again, we're glad to be with you today. We're glad that we have this opportunity to get into the Word of God and more importantly, Get the Word of God in us today. The Bible said if this holy seed, Jesus' teaching, gets into a good ground heart, it will bring forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some one hundredfold. That means as we encounter God's Word with with a heart to obey, a heart to hear, and to heed, to give heed. You know, the Scripture said we need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. We want to make sure today, as Christians, that we are not just hearing the Word of God, we are giving heed to it. We are listening with the intent to obey. With His help, with His grace, hallelujah, with the power of the Holy Spirit within us. We pray you'll go with us in this study today, the upstream Christian in a downstream world, living counterculture in a day when there's so much peer pressure. You know, we talk about peer pressure usually for our children in the scholastic systems of of grade school and, and high school and college but peer, and on the job, but, but peer pressure is everywhere all the time. And there is something intrinsic to all of our nature and flesh, and we have a desire to be loved and accepted. Uh, and we won't find that following Jesus in a world that is flowing in the other direction. Friend of mine, but we can find that acceptance in Christ Himself. Praise the Lord. And we need that acceptance in each other. We need that encouragement from one another because these are those days that the Bible defines prophetically as the last days. In the last days, perilous times will come. One practical uh, translation of that says the time will come, it will be very difficult to be a Christian. Uh, Oh, not in name. It's not talking about in name, but really becoming what Christian means, and that is a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you and I choose to become disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to find ourselves upstream Christians in a downstream world. But that's okay because he has gone before us. He is living within us. He is walking beside us. Praise God. He's got our back. And he is leading his people toward an eternal reward if we choose to follow him and not follow our own weak flesh or the or the temptations of the enemy or the stimulations of the world about us and we understand that we are uniquely a separated people unto God. It's called sanctification. (laughs) Hallelujah. And Paul said, the Lord God sanctify you holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Spirit, 
soul, and body. And what happens when that occurs and we allow that to occur in our life? We end up H-O-L-Y, which means that we are set apart. It Sanctification and holiness go hand in hand. It means literally cleansed and separated unto God for a holy purpose. Amen. So we want to be the people that God has called us to be today. And if you're not a Christian, I'm going to tell you one of the lies that the devil has told you because he told it to me. He tells it to as many people as he can get to believe it. I could never live the life. So why become a Christian? And we we see a virtue in that attitude, in the virtue being this. I don't want to be a hypocrite like I've seen so many of. I, if I can't live the life, I'm not even going to try to follow Christ to become a Christian. Listen, you can't live the life. I can't live the life. There's a beautiful scripture in the book of John in the New Testament. And it said, as many as received him. Hallelujah. Just as you are. Come just as you are. The song says, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Friend of mine, I want you to know if you will come to Christ as you are, a change will occur in your heart and therefore in your life. And it will come as Christ comes in, he said to the church and to all of us, uh, literally, in the, in the book of Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, if any man receive him, see what it's saying? If any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. That's that intimate personal fellowship with one another. And when Christ comes in, holy seed is planted within us. Praise God. Amen. And our very nature is changed. We still have our weak flesh to deal with, and we must deal with it in order to follow Jesus. We must deny ourselves, that old nature, and take up our cross, put put to death the deeds of the flesh in order to follow Jesus Christ. But not only can it be done, hallelujah, God gives us everything we need so that that we can see that accomplished and become more than just Christians in name only, but become Christians in reality, literally becoming followers of Jesus Christ, his disciples, praise God. So it's not just a matter of, of believing. It's a matter of after believing, behaving what we believe. Praise God. That's why we're upstream Christians in a downstream world. Our text is from Titus 2, 11 and 12. It said, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Listen to that again. Teaching us the grace of God that has appeared to all men, bringing salvation, teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this 
present world. This world as it is right now. Listen, sin is nothing new. Temptation is nothing new. Uh, all of the things we're seeing today is not new. It, it may have accelerated, been amplified like we've never seen it before. But believe me, the sins we're seeing today are not new. They were present in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were present in Tyre and Sidon. They were present throughout all human history. When the tempter came and people gave in to the tempter in the garden, it began in Genesis and it continued. And friend of mine, murder is not new. Uh, adultery is not new. Uh, uh, wars and rumors are not new. But they are very pronounced now as this this cultural uh, cultural flow away from God uh, instead of to God. Some of you are old enough to remember. I'm 70. I remember reciting in the fifth grade uh, Psalm 23 to get a pocket New Testament. Can you imagine that I could recite in school Psalm 23, receive a New Testament? Every child in my class did that. That was back in the day when the flow was not as strong away from God as it is today. Today, the flow is so strong culturally away from God, spiritually away from God. Listen, today you have to be an upstream Christian in a downstream world. You have to go counterculture. You have to go against the world, the flesh, and certainly the devil in order to follow Jesus Christ today. You have to make up your mind whose side you're going to be on when all of the pressures are brought to bear upon your life. And God wants us to live soberly, therefore, righteously and godly in this present world. Last week, we talked about spiritual sobriety and practical sobriety. Be sober and be vigilant. And to live our life with a, with a serious commitment to our faith and to the person of our faith. And that is Jesus Christ, who is not just supposed to be our Savior, but to be our Lord and our Savior. And we're to live not only soberly, but righteously. This word in the Greek means equitably. It means justice and right dealing. And First John uh, chapter 3 and verse 7. I want to read it to you today, and I want to try to explain this because this demands explanation today. And you will find out why when we read it. Uh, listen, First John chapter 3 and beginning with verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. But he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, here's, here's part of that that needs explanation. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, every time it says that, it means live habitually in sin. Because otherwise there would be a great contradiction here. The scripture is very clear. Whosoever, including Christians who say they have no sin, 
are disingenuous. They're deceiving themselves. And the scripture said they lie and do not the truth. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all iniquity and unrighteousness. Listen to this carefully. Whosoever born of God doth not commit, literally, habitually live in. In my translation here of this scripture, it says, as a usual practice. In other words, sin does not reign. It doesn't mean we do not stumble and have to get back up and have to confess. It means sin is no longer the ruling element of our life because Satan is no longer the great influence of our life. We're not of our father, the devil. We're not condemned and committed to do his works. Praise God. We have a heavenly father, a holy father, and we have Jesus Christ come to live within us. Listen, and he cannot commit sin or live habitually in sin because he is born of God. Verse 10 says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. I'm going to read something from a commentary that I believe will help explain it. It is impossible to deny the existence of sin. When the whole world is in conflict between good and evil, if sin were not a fact, there would be no crime, we would not need jails or prisons, we would need no locks on our doors or vaults for our valuables. To some, sin is being indiscreet or it's a weakness of the flesh. To others, it's the absence from good. To the so-called scholar, sin is ignorance. And to the evolutionist, sin is the nature of the beast. The latest theory is that sin is a disease to be treated by science. Because man, because man is not a sinner, he's only sick. To others, sin is a form of selfishness. But God declares that man, that, that sin is transgression of the law. And that sin is is coming short of the glory of God, and that sin is rebellion against God, and that sin is unbelief, it makes God a liar, and that sin is going our own way, planning your own life according to your own will, without seeking or acknowledging the will of God. All unrighteousness, it's declared right here, is sin. Sin is folly to deceive you, a force to destroy you, and a fact to condemn you. Sin is a volitional act of disobedience against the revealed will of God. So when it says, he that's born of God sinneth not, when it says sinneth not, it means he does not live his life habitually in sin. You can't have it both ways. This is not works to obtain salvation. This is works to confirm that salvation has occurred. Because holy seed has been sown within us. Christ in you and me is the hope 
of glory. Praise God. But now there is this battle between our old nature and the new nature of a regenerated, reborn spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we have that capacity to make the choice of our volitional will. And listen, if you're born again, you want to serve God. It's one of the key issues of the new birth. We want to serve God. We want to live right. We want to do the right thing. We don't always achieve that consistently like we need to, but the want to is there, and the means to overcome is given us by the Lord. Hallelujah. You'll never be sinlessly perfect, but you can be perfectly committed to letting Jesus, allowing Jesus, permitting Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Praise God. And when you find yourself in attitude or activity that is contrary to His revealed will in His Word, that we would be very quick to repent and to confess and to receive forgiveness. You see, this is Christian victory. It is not living a sinlessly perfect life. If that could ever be achieved, there was no reason for Jesus to go to the cross. No reason at all. I really like the illustration of a missionary that years ago uh, preached the gospel to the Eskimo people in Alaska. He said that one community, a whole community during an evangelistic meeting, had accepted Christ as their Savior. The missionary being very wise before he left and established that church and that community of believers uh, appointed an elder over them, a pastor, a shepherd over them, a very committed uh, man who really, really committed his life to follow Jesus Christ, to not only be the preacher and the teacher, but to be that living example before them. A year later, he came back to check on the progress of this thriving new Christian community. And he said to this spiritual leader of, of them, this shepherd of this flock, how's it going with you? And he didn't ask how everybody else was. He asked, how is it with you? How, how are you doing spiritually? How are you progressing spiritually? And here's how he answered. He said, there are two dogs in me, and they fight most all the time. There are two dogs. See, he's, he's acknowledging uh, in his walk with God the recognition there are two natures now, the holy seed of God, which leads us to live righteously. And that old nature of the old man uh, that, that is not regenerate, that part of us, it's amazing that these two natures coexist. Paul talked about that. He said, he said, when I would do good in Romans 7, evil presents itself. I don't go out looking for it. I've often put it this way. When before I came to Christ, I went out looking for sin. After I came to Christ, sin came looking for me. In fact, I had more temptations and opportunities to sin after I became a Christian than before I became a Christian. The devil really wanted to get me back under his influence, under his control. But I have a new master. I have a new Lord. I have a new nature. Praise God. And you do too if you receive Christ as your Savior. 
It doesn't mean that you won't have to have a conflict with jealousy and envy and the things we know that would lead us to sin, wrong attitudes and wrong activities. You will still have temptations, but we have a great enemy in the devil, but we have a greater ally in Jesus Christ today. I want you to know you can have victory, and victory doesn't mean you will never need to repent. But it does mean that Satan will lose that primary influence in your life. And if you don't give place to him, he has no authority to come barging in. He can't break through doors that have been locked from the inside. Amen. You know, we need to put the unwelcome mat out. Hallelujah. You know, everywhere I go, I see welcome mats. Welcome, welcome, welcome. But for the Christian concerning the devil, we need an unwelcome mat. We led, need to let him know on no uncertain terms. We were we, You were our master, but Jesus is now the Lord of our life. We, uh, we were debtors to the flesh. We were, we were absolutely uh, powerless to overcome our weaknesses until Jesus came to be the Lord of our life and to live within us. Praise God. But he has come. And he does live within us. And the Holy Spirit has come to empower us. Jesus has come to give us the will to do right. The Holy Spirit has come to enable us to carry out that will. Praise God. But we it's all God in us and God through us. It's Jesus living his life through our life. That's why Paul said, It's no more I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. Praise God. Amen. So I want to encourage you today, if you're not a Christian and you're saying, I can't live a sinless life. Well, you can't live a sinless life, but you don't have to keep living a sinful life. You don't have to let sin reign in your members. You can be set free from those habits, from those those prisons where you are shackled to some particular sin, some particular evil desire, wicked desire that you can't control, but it controls you. You can and will be set free when a new nature is imparted to you, but you come to Christ just like you are, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. And when, when Christ forgives you, and he literally comes in, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and God the Father comes in, holy seed is now in you. And that seed remaineth in you. See, that's what it says in verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, live habitually in sin, for God, his seed, remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he's born of God, amen, in other words, that holy seed within you doesn't sin, will not sin, because he cannot sin, we can sin, but he cannot sin, and his holy seed is now sown within the heart of of the believer. 
And when we begin to recognize God within us, Christ within us, and the power that he has placed within us because of the person who has come to live within us, we can begin to say no to not only the devil, the tempter, but no to our flesh that he is appealing to. And we can become true followers of Christ. For grace didn't just give us a, a permit to sin without consequence. Sin always has consequences. So we have this great opportunity today to be challenged by the Word of God that grace teaches us, that brought our salvation, that gave us positional righteousness before the Lord. A man can also produce within us a practical, personal righteousness that we begin to live differently than the world about us. Our values change, therefore our morals change, our values change, and therefore our goals change. Praise God. We march to the beat of a different drummer. Hallelujah. And you know, this, we usually talk about young people having the peer pressure in elementary school and high school and then college. Peer pressure from peers when you are young, it's so important to be accepted. Friend of mine, peer pressure continues in the marketplace. It continues in the office, on the job. Anywhere we are, we we have a, a intrinsic nature. We want to be loved and accepted. And Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But you are not of the world. And when we are rejected because we're simply wanting to do the right thing, to live equitably, to, do, to, to be fair with everyone, to be open and honest in our dealings, when we want to live right, we're going to be persecuted for that. But it's something that we should wear as a badge, hallelujah, that we're being honored in that we are following Jesus and not following the world. When we walk away from the filthy talking, not being self-righteous, just seeking to be righteous. There's a difference in self-righteousness and just wanting to be righteous. And friend of mine, when we walk away from that uncleanness that is all around us in this, this very perverted and polluted world, and we choose to live our life differently, it's not only the life that God requires, it is the very best life that we can live, going to bed at night with a clear and clean conscience. Praise God, knowing that, that we haven't lied during the day, uh, we, haven't, we haven't stolen, we haven't done some terrible wrong. Uh, we, are, we are clean in our conscience, we're clear before God and in our own heart. What a sweet sleep that brings, what sweet release that is. And if we have messed up somewhere, we're quick to confess our sin and receive the grace and the forgiveness that God offers us today. We're born of God, and His holy nature within us cannot sin. And that doesn't mean that we do not. It means that we can not let sin reign within us anymore. For whosoever committeth sin, the Scripture said, that means habitually, 
with no conviction, no confession of that sin is of the devil. Make no mistake about it. We can't live consistently in that sinful lifestyle and call ourselves in any sense Christian. We can't even claim salvation. Let me give you that scripture in context about our salvation. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then the next verse goes on to talk about, But we are created unto good works. You see, His nature leads us to do right. We will struggle with our flesh. We will struggle with the tempter. But we do not struggle with Christ being the Lord of our life. We do not do we do not uh, disavow this new nature that we have. Praise God. You can sin, but it'll be going against your new nature, not only against God, but your reborn spirit and his abiding spirit within. And when you choose to do right, to live righteously as the scripture declares in our in our text, God's presence and power is with us to help us to achieve that. Praise God. So today as this broadcast comes to a close, I want you to know that grace has not only made a provision for your forgiveness, but grace has made a provision for you and I to follow Jesus in this present fallen world in this present faulty body. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I invite you right now to come just as you are. His shed blood bids you come. So come, receive, repent of your sin, receive His forgiveness. He will come within and He will give you the power to become a son of God. Hallelujah. We'll come back next week, will you? Let's talk about Jesus.